Today, I'm joined by Naomi Seifter, the owner and founder of The Real Food Truck and now brick-and-mortar restaurant, Picnic, located in Austin, Texas. We talk about how her discovery of a real food lifestyle rescued her from years of pain, her whirlwind adventure that led to the opening of her food truck, her vision for the restaurant, and some really great advice for entrepreneurs. Today, I am joined, I'm so excited for you guys to meet this lovely woman. Her name is Naomi Seifter, and she is just a ball of joy and light. She's the owner, owner, founder <laughs> and owner, I'm going with it, <laughs> of Picnic. Picnic began in 2013 as a food trailer housed in a repurposed shipping container off South Lamar in Austin, Texas. Naomi has a personal history of combating food allergies since childhood, which has led her journey to open the gluten-free food trailer known for the grab-and-go breakfasts and lunch items, as well as the buttered coffees, which I've consumed many of, bone broths, <laughs> <laughs> juices, and all with a focus on sourcing locally and using organic ingredients. The brick-and-mortar location of Picnic just opened on August 10th, and I was lucky enough to attend a really fun tasting dinner, so now I can even more emphatically tell you that this lady is killing it. She's doing an amazing boots-on-the-ground job of bringing healthy, delicious, paleo-friendly foods to the Austin community and is truly one of those lovely people that I cannot help but be inspired and energized by. I'm thrilled to bring her on the show today. Welcome Aww, to thank Naomi. you so much for having me. You're so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, the pleasure is all mine. I really am just genuinely thrilled for you. You really are you know, people, folks, I do get asked quite often. I'm sure a lot of cookbook authors and bloggers are asked, do you ever want to open a restaurant? I was like, oh my gosh, I don't, I don't think I want to, I, I don't think I have it in me. <laughs> That's it a is lot of work. a lot. It's a lot. I mean, I, we get approached by people all the time who are like, oh, I'm, I really want to create my own concept or I'm interested in doing something similar. And I mean, I will be the first to tell you it is a full-time you know, hundred percent of your time job day in, day out, seven days a week. Mm. I believe it. Well, you do, you do it really, really well. So oh, keep, keep it up. And I'd love for you to share before we jump in, I want to talk a lot about picnic and pick your brain on all things, you know, foodie wise, but tell us a little bit more about your story. Um, I very briefly touched on it, but I'd love to know what really led you to this lifestyle, um, and, and to doing what you're doing now. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I was one of these kids who was, I mean, basically I was sick my whole life and, and my parents were both doctors and somehow no one ever connected the dots that maybe my sickness was related to what I was eating. Like the other day I was watching a video of me when I was a kid, like I must've been four or five and it was on Thanksgiving. And, you know, my voice was really, really raspy because everything I ate made me throw up. And I was talking to my dad in the camera and I'm like, you know, is this pumpkin pie going to give me a stomach ache? And it's just so sad, you know, that that was a part of my life for so long. So, you know, from the time I was a kid up until I was about 14 or 15, um, I always just had like weird chronic health problems. And like in my 
early, early childhood, it manifested a lot actually with neurological symptoms, more like anxiety over like gastrointestinal issues. So when I was a kid, I had like all these weird, like anxious tendencies and I was afraid of like the weather and the wind and it was just bizarre. And now as I've gotten more into like gut healing and I've learned a lot about the connection of like food and your mental state, I realized that a lot of that was probably because of my food sensitivities. So, um, when I was 14, I like had some weight issues as a kid and my family all made a commitment to go on the Atkins diet. So that was the first time I ever went on a diet and very sad that I was like a teenager, you know, focusing on something like this. But I, uh, I pretty much eliminated all carbohydrates and I was eating mostly meat and, you know, plants. And that was the first time I remember in my life, like, feeling like I was in really, really good health. Like I lost some weight. I had, um, really good cognitive function. I did better in school. I felt a huge alleviation of my anxiety. Um, but you know, at the time I was following a plan that was definitely related to, um, you know, leaning out and weight loss. And it wasn't at all about the integrity and quality of ingredients and, and food that I was eating. So that was just kind of my first exposure to it. And I did it temporarily just as like a short term solution to some extra pounds. And I went back to just eating normal food. Um, but when I transitioned off of Atkins is when I started to really experience some, super severe gastrointestinal problems. Um, I was going out to dinner a lot with my family and with my friends. And I remember going to Olive Garden like all the time and I would eat chicken fettuccine Alfredo and I would come home and be on the couch with like severe abdominal pain for, you know, eight to 12 hours. And I would be in tears and it was just like horrible constipation, like anything related to like a messed up gut I experienced. And uh, it wasn't until I was 19, somehow I lived like five years like that. Um, it wasn't until I was 19 that I was um, meeting with my grandparents in Eugene, Oregon. And we were having a conversation about the fact that my grandma had celiac disease. And so I started asking a lot of questions. I'm like, what are the symptoms? Like, what have you experienced? And uh, turns out, you know, my grandma has celiac and was telling me all about her problems. And kid you not, I was like, this is my life. Like, how did I never <laughs> make that connection? How did my family never make that connection? You know, and, um, just wild. So I got online and I looked at a celiac checklist and it was like down the line. Like I had every single symptom that was listed. And, um, you know, I never actually went and got tested for it because my mom had told me like, you know, really you need to be eating at least three pieces of bread a day in order to have like the antibodies show up in your test. So she was like, if you think this is something that you have a problem with, I would just eliminate it. So I did. And like within two weeks, I had such a dramatic turnaround in terms of like my quality of life, my digestion, like my skin, anything and everything I was dealing with seemed to like just magically improve when I cut out wheat. And at the time, I mean, this was almost 10 years ago that I discovered this. At the time, there were no resources available. Like now you go into the grocery store and there's gluten-free everything available. At the time, there was none of that. So my diet was really, really clean, like as close to paleo as possible. It was like, you know, meat and vegetables. And I ate maybe occasionally some white rice. 
Um, but I was really, really strict because I knew that there was a lot of cross contamination and there was issue with some cheeses and lots of condiments that I didn't know about. So I was as pretty much as strict paleo as possible at that time without knowing it. Um, but you know, as I became more comfortable with this lifestyle, I started to, and sorry, this is a really long story. So no, I mean, I'm, I'm eating to it up. Keep, keep going. I yeah, can, so I can hear just, the people you're speaking to. Good. Well, it was crazy because as soon as I got more invested in this lifestyle, got more comfortable, more gluten-free products came available on the market. And so I was just like, you know, all of a sudden started to eat more gluten-free pizza or crackers or pasta mm. or like all the stuff that I had been missing. And all of a sudden all my health problems came back and it didn't make any sense to me because I was gluten-free. What could I possibly be good to, like doing wrong, you know? And, um, turns out that with all these gluten-free substitutes, I was eating a ton of gluten-free grains and it ended up causing me the same problems that I was dealing with in the beginning. So, Kind of a weird, like, you know, additional part of the story was I, at the end of college, when I was like going through all of this stuff, I ended up um, living in a yoga ashram for almost two years. And I was like traveling around. Um, I started in Quebec and went to upstate New York and India and lived in all these places cool. um, because, yeah, because I became super, super passionate about yoga and about healing and really trying to figure out food. And like, for me, that was a really incredible place after college when I didn't really know what I was going to do with my life. And so anyway, um, I actually, during that time, stopped eating meat altogether because, um, you know, mm -hmm. yoga is definitely very intimately connected with a, a vegetarian lifestyle and what they consider like a sattvic diet, which is a diet full of purity and really like minimally processed foods. But this is the same time I was dealing with like a lot of those problems. I wasn't eating meat. I was eating gluten-free. I wasn't eating any dairy. I was having a ton of problems. Um, you know, they all kind of resurfaced. I ended up in the hospital with kidney stones, like in my early 20s. It's like, a, you know, a disease that you almost hear about predominantly like grandparents getting, you know, I'm like mm -hmm. in my early 20s in the hospital with like kidney stones. And I ended up hospitalized for ovarian cysts also. And I'm like, what is going on with my body? Like, this just doesn't make any sense. So left the ashram environment, ended up teaching at this um, yoga studio in Miami Beach and um, re really needed a source of income. This is crazy how it's all interconnected. But mm -hmm. I was uh, uh, working in this, like I rented out this tiny room in the back of my friend's juice bar. And I started like a little company that just sold like eco-friendly jewelry and whatever. It was just my way to make money as I was teaching yoga, mm -hmm. but it was my first exposure to business. And I was so freaking inspired by my friend who opened her juice bar that I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to do this someday. And I'm going <laughs> to figure out a way to provide food for people in, you know, and, and provide things that I believe in and create products I believe in and really create a really, really healing menu to provide to people. Cause she was just so inspiring to me. Her company is called under the mango tree. And it's just like this tiny little shop in the middle of Miami beach. Um, but you know, at the same time, I was just really trying to figure out like, what is going on with my health? I know I want to offer healing food. Like I'd been on a raw diet and I've been gluten-free and I was vegetarian. I did all this stuff. 
And, you know, I kept getting online and Google searching, like just healing diets. What do you do if you can't eat grains? What do you do if you can't eat soy? What do you do if you can't eat all these allergens? And I kept stumbling upon this word paleo. And, um, basically that was my first like crazy aha moment, like blew my mind. Um, had a chance to start reading some resources. I mean, there weren't a ton of people or things in publication at that point. Like the mm -hmm. first book I bought was uh, Haley and Bill's. I think it was Make It Paleo, mm -hmm. maybe Make It Paleo, the original, and um, Diane San Filippo's book. I'm horrible at saying her name. Um, you nailed it. Yeah, Practical Paleo. Those were like the two main resources that I had available, as well as like Mark's Daily Apple online. And uh, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to try eating meat. I'm going to get rid of grains. I'm going to do all this stuff. We're going to see what happens. And I mean, I just had such incredible results in terms of like, you know, my body completely changed my, I lost like 30 pounds. I've never gained it back. Like I just, all of a sudden things took such a dramatic turn for me. And so I learned really clearly at that time, it's not just about being gluten-free. It's not just about being dairy-free. It's like a complete overhaul of every single ingredient that you put in your mouth. And um, so that was really the, the backbone of how I found my way to the paleo diet. And my exposure to my friend's juice bar was the thing that caused inspiration for me in terms of really creating my own business someday that was dedicated to helping the health of people. What an amazing story. <laughs> it's a lot of information. <laughs> I love it. I think I got chills like seven times. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so sweet. I mean, but it's it changed my life and it made such a dramatic impact for me that I just felt like, you know, I started waiting tables again. Like when I moved to Austin, my fiance and I like basically picked a place up a map and we thought Austin would be a good place. But it was like every single day I just like – I was waiting tables and I waited on people who were like, oh, I'm gluten free or I'm dairy free or I'm this or I'm that or I can't have canola oil. And I was like, how is it possible that this is not available for people? And I had this inspiration from my friend and I was like, you know what? I just, I have to go for it. And so, mm -hmm. you know, crazy enough, like my grandma had passed away a couple of years before she left me a little bit of money. And I told Kevin, I'm, it was my fiance. I'm like, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to buy a food truck and I'm just going to start really small and I'm going to figure this out. And, you know, I was by no means qualified to be the person to do this. You know what I mean? Like by no means was I the person qualified to do this, but I'd worked in restaurants since I was 16 on and off. And I was really passionate about food and I had to learn to cook for myself through just the process of, you know, doing for, through all those allergies that mm. I was just like, you know what, if anyone's going to do this, I might as well try. And so I took that amount of money and I bought this little, this is a crazy part of the story. I bought this little pink food truck out <laughs> in San Antonio and it was like a food truck that people use for, um, like snow cones. Uh huh. And I bought it and I was like, yeah, this is going to be my business. And originally I called it pressed and squeezed. Like, pressed as in juice press or pressed as in coffee press and squeezed as in juice squeeze. Cute. I don't know. It was like, yeah, a cute little name. 
but like nothing was flowing and you know, I, I couldn't find a location for it and nothing was working out. And like something that's huge for me to talk about is like, I feel like my whole journey has been like divine intervention hands down because when things are not meant to be, they do not flow. And when you finally tap into what you're supposed to do and the direction you're supposed to be doing, it's like the universe, like everything opens up for you to really achieve what you're destined for. And so I was looking for a place for this food truck, couldn't find a place. And, um, I ended up finding the location that we have our current location on, on South Lamar. And I was so passionate about it. I ended up calling the landlord. I'm like, is there any way I can put this pink food truck there? And he's like, no, there's no way. We don't want to turn this into a trailer park. It's just not going to happen. There was an existing business that was parked there. It was a little company called La Boite, uh-huh. And um, it was in a little re- reclaimed shipping container. And uh, he was like, that's the only one that we're willing to keep on this lawn. And so I came home that night and I told Kevin, I was like, I'm just really struggling. Like, can't find a place for this food truck. You know, the landlord doesn't want it. That's the space I know I'm destined for. I just don't know what to do. Maybe I'm supposed to give up. And he was like, you know, if you feel that way, you know, I'll support you, whatever you think is, is right. And anyway, I drove by the next day and there was a freaking for sale sign <laughs> on the trailer that was parked on top of the hill. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, obviously this was meant to be, this is what I was destined for. So I ended up selling the other truck. I made an offer on this shipping container. You know, I thought I had enough money to get open. I literally didn't even have enough money to get me through like the first two weeks of planning, like it was such a huge expense, but my mom ended up making a decision to like help me out through the first year of business. And, uh, we opened our doors in, in April of 2013. Oh my gosh. More chills, Naomi. <laughs> Amen. I mean, I'm with you. I really do think that when things are supposed to happen, it just, it all of a sudden will doors open for you. That's awesome. What a very, very cool. Yes. Testament. Yes. And that's happened that this way for me, over and over and over and over, over the course of the last three and a half years, it's like, you know, whether it's you have the the wrong person in a role as an employee, or you have maybe, you know, you haven't partnered with the right people, or, you know, you find a location that's not working or whatever hiccup it is, like that would be applicable for anyone starting a business. I think it's really important to listen to those cues mm-hmm. and just really listen to I call it divine intervention, you know, being led by God or by the universe. And I think it's really important. Like when you're swimming upstream, sometimes you just have to reevaluate where you are and figure out a different path and really listen to the cues being given to you. That's so true. That's so true. I mean, just to kind of further underline your point, thinking about people asked me, what was it? Um, Jimmy Moore, who, who wrote the ketogenic cookbook. I was just talking with him on his podcast and he was like, Oh, Cassie, it just seems like you came out of nowhere. You just all of a sudden have this book and this program and this podcast and all this stuff. He's like, how long ago did you start your blog? I was like, I actually started it six years ago. Yes. <laughs> and, yes. You know, and I've been working for a really long time and I, and I've been talking with my publishing house for almost four years about oh writing gosh. a book. And, but it, but what I was supposed to write 
wasn't clear. And it was, it is frustrating, but it was like a whole, like that's, that's where I was supposed to be then was I was supposed to be in a holding pattern so that I was forced to kind of listen to what people were really looking for and asking for. And then I put myself out there some more people said what they liked from me. Um, and it's always going to be something, maybe it's going to be out of left field. You're not going to see it coming, but, um, you know, it wasn't until you do, you take all of those swimming upstream cues and you just decide to finally float the river down just going off yeah. I'm going to write yeah. it down and yeah exactly <laughs> and then all of a sudden the idea will be given to you and it takes hard work to get there but it will be clear I think that's such an awesome really cool point okay so tell us a little bit more about picnic brick and mortar you know what the restaurant experience is like what your vision was for it and really what you want the customer experience to be and how it all how it all came to be now Yeah. So, you know, after three and a half years of working out of our little spot on South Lamar, I just felt pretty limited with what I was able to provide for people. Um, you know, one of the logistics that we built out in that, in that space was that we didn't have a kitchen on site. And so all of our food was prepared at a commissary kitchen and and basically shuttled in every single day. And there's some logistics that make that a little tough. It's great for a grab-and-go coffee shop, but it's a little bit um, tough from a customer experience perspective because we deal with so many customers who have tons of different allergies, sensitivities, food preferences, food aversions, whatever it is. And so when we're having to do the work off-site, if someone comes in and they – request one of our dishes without bacon, for example, we can't do that for them. It's uh, it's not super easy for us to customize things. Um, it's pretty much like you just have to choose things exactly as they are. And um, we just started to learn like over the course of three years that, you know, especially with like the movement at AIP and ketogenic and Whole30 that, you know, in order for us to really cater to as many people as we want to cater to, we needed to get into a space where we could provide food that was customizable for people. So um, I started looking at real estate over two years ago, which is insane, but I was looking at like anything and everything that presented itself in Austin. And, um, you know, real estate is really, really tough. You have to think about the location that you're in, um, the demographic that's in your area. Parking is huge in Austin. Like if there's not accessible parking, there's a, you can come across some serious problems. Um, and then also, you know, just a space that would be big enough and, uh, you know, laid out in a way that would cater to the fact that we were going to use it for a restaurant space. So it was really, really hard. Um, but we had the, like the most incredible blessing of finding the space on Burnett road, which is just like a crazy restaurant strip in North Austin, like so high traffic, the right demographic. It was actually a second generation space. Hmm. So it was a restaurant that was built out not even a year ago that, um, the, the concept just didn't work. And so we ended up basically buying the furniture fixtures and equipment as well as taking over the remainder of the lease term for the next like 10 years. Whoa. Um, it, Yeah, in order to get this space. So it's crazy complicated when you're dealing with real estate. And it's funny, you know, I was talking to Mark Sisson um, after Paleo Effects or during Paleo Effects because they're in the process of building out primal kitchens. And we had a big discussion about real estate. But it's a a serious uh, issue for a lot of people when they're trying to, you know, build a business, not only from a perspective of, you know, just the, the complications of finding a good spot, but then 
also the logistics of permitting and the time it takes in order to get things up and running and, you know, paying dark rent and paying employees before you're able to get a business up and running. Like it's a serious situation. So we were just really, really blessed to find a space that allowed us to kind of um, do things a little bit faster and open up our doors um, in nine months rather than, you know, a year and a half. Um, and one of the things I really wanted to do with this restaurant was to make it, you know, not only customizable plates for people who have food sensitivities, but also really kind of increase our offerings to more people. Um, we got a ton of, you know, requests for vegan items or vegetarian items, um, from, from customers when we're at the trailer. And since we were really hundred percent focused on paleo, we had a whole demographic of people that we really couldn't support. Um, so, you know, something that was really important to me was kind of to get away from the strict title of paleo, but more open it up to this conversation of real food. And so you've seen us kind of do this, evolution with our branding. We're now Picnic Says Real Food Plus Good Vibes. Everything is paleo-friendly, but it's also vegan-friendly. If we have any starches or grains on the menu, it's all going to be safe starches like white rice, quinoa. Um, we haven't even gotten into white potatoes yet, but it would be you know, white potatoes or sweet potatoes. Um, you know, so we're still like, even if we make breads, for example, it's going to be made with potato starch or white rice flour. It's not going to be a whole bunch of random, you know, gluten-free grains and things that are tough for people to digest. It's like, we want to keep that same philosophy of what we do with paleo friendly food, but also expand our opportunity to reach out to more clientele. Um, so that's really what you'll start to see at the restaurant. Um, I'm really, really passionate about uh, comfort foods, and that was something that I kind of developed as a result of my fiance. Um, when we first got together, like when we first opened Picnic, I'm like, let's make rabbit soup and let's make ceviche and let's make all these things that like normal standard American palates don't really gravitate well towards. And Kevin was the first person to tell me like, why don't you have a chocolate chip cookie on your menu? Like, you know what I mean? So, so you'll see, we've really started to learn what people resonate with and what they respond well to. So it's basically an entire menu of like things I would want to eat every second of the day, like pancakes and orange chicken and meatloaf and chicken nuggets and, you know, all of these fun kind of comfort foods, but just done with better ingredients. Yeah. And I can personally vouch for the orange chicken, the meatloaf, the Brussels sprouts. <laughs> oh my gosh. So much. The tomato basil soup. There were so, oh, your juices, that green lemonade. Really? Oh, Naomi, I could drink that by the gallon. <laughs> it's probably my favorite thing on the menu. I drink it every single day, probably breakfast and dinner. It has like such amazing flavor because we actually use the whole rind as well. So you're getting all of that like essential oil and lemon zest and a little bit of collard greens to give it flavor and green apples. It's just like, oh my gosh, I love it too. Oh my gosh. It is awesome. You guys have to go and try that. And then, and then to boot, I hate to just geek out over, over the, just the food, but I can't help myself. <laughs> yes. To boot, you have, you've turned your famous blondies into an ice cream sandwich. <laughs> yes. Again, that was Kevin, he is so influential to me. I, I've been, I, so first I made that blondie recipe like 
three years ago and I made it for him at home and it was one of these like happy accidents that I just made this recipe and it worked really well the first time versus like our muffins took a year and a half to figure out. Mm -hmm. um, but I made it and he's like, these are really good. You should bring them to the shop and see if anyone likes them. And for like three months afterwards, people were asking for them. So I uh, brought them in. It's become our top selling dessert ever since. And so for the past three years, I've watched Kevin every single weekend. I almost said every day, but he's standing next to me. He's like, don't you dare. I've seen him every weekend eat one of the Bondies with vanilla ice cream. He like, oh, like he just loves the combination. And it's a really like just great combination in terms of like, you know, you kind of have the amaretto from the Blondies, but you have like the, you know, kind of cooling of the ice. And they're just really good together. And so anyway, it's like, why don't we just put the two things together and make an epic ice cream sandwich? And now it's like our, literally, it's the only dessert we have on the menu for the time being, but we probably sell it to 95% of the tables that come in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even with like full fat grass fed dairy gelato, like it's not even dairy free. Unfortunately, we've had some requests for a coconut milk one. So that might be in the works. Um, but yeah, I mean, we sell it to probably every table that comes in. That's hilarious. It is yeah. so good, you guys. If you go to picnic, you have to get it. It's awesome. <laughs> yes. I love that. I love that you're excited about it. I am. I'm excited about it all. Well, that is just so neat. Now, I am curious. We don't have that much time left, but I'd like to pick your, your brain on a couple more things. Yeah. When it comes to your clientele, I mean... At, at the food truck and now the burger mortar restaurant, um, do you find that are people starting to show up not really knowing what paleo is? They're just coming because they really like the idea of real food and they've heard about these amazing hot buttered coffees and they just want to try something. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. When we first opened, it was probably 99% paleo. And at this point, we just cater to really such a broad demographic of people. They might be vegan. They might be paleo. They might be health conscious. They might just love butter coffee. And then they go out and eat a pizza later in the day. I mean, literally anyone and everyone from every walk of life kind of comes in at this point, we're starting to see that like a ton of our customers are actually kids, which I never thought that we were just like an innately kid friendly place, but to have chicken nuggets and pancakes and things that really cater to like all palates, we've just started to attract so many different people. And so you do get the diehard paleo people and we have like an autoimmune paleo menu for them and a whole 30 menu for them. But we also just have people who you know, are just passionate about feeling a little bit better and, and, and are trying to get better ingredients and in food that they're eating. That's great. That is so cool to hear. I mean, that's really the idea is to kind of break outside of the labels and be as approachable with this good science and makes good sense as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, Naomi, you know, I had another question to ask you about advice for business owners, but I really think you've touched on it. <laughs> you've given some great advice. Do you have anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up today? Yeah. I mean, quick, quick advice. Literally, I would just say, I, I tell this to people all the time, but it's like, if you want to create a business from your passion that you're really, really excited about, you just have to know you have to jump in with 100% dedication, no questions asked. You have to be willing to put literally every single thing on your life in your life on the line in order to achieve the things that you want. Um, you, I mean, from financially to relationships to your time to you know your energy, it's like 
building a business really requires a full-time commitment, hands down. And um, if you're not willing to kind of put all those things on the line for what you believe in, I would say don't do it because it's a really, really tough life. I mean, you have to just be so passionate about what you're doing and believe that what you're doing is so essential to like the future of the world that no one else can do the job in order to take a risk like that. Otherwise, there's just no point because it will really, really challenge you. And the only other thing I'd say is that you have to learn to trust your gut and your gut is the most valuable tool you'll ever be given. Um, for me, like I've said, it's kind of that divine intervention. I always listen to clues that are prevented or presented presented to me all the time. I mean, if something is not working, I listen to that and I reevaluate the direction I'm going and I figure out a different solution. Um, when things start to happen and unfold and all of a sudden there's movement and you find the piece of real estate and you get like for me, I got the real estate, I got the right partner all at the same time. It was like everything just magically flowed. But I had to go through times where I really I, I had to just listen to my gut and figure out ways to change the course of the future of the business, you know? And so I think it's really important to just know, don't ignore that voice that's inside of you that tells you someone's not the right fit or I'm not going the right direction or if I make this decision, you know, something's not going to work out. Trust that gut instinct all the time. It will be your best friend in business. Absolutely. It might be more difficult in the short run, but if you believe in your gut that it's the right thing to do, then you should do it. Yes, always. So kind of, I'm a little woo woo, but I really appreciate you asking and I super appreciate you having me on the show. And, um, I'm just such a fan of what you do and, and, um, I just am so grateful. So thank you so much. Oh my gosh. I'm the grateful one. Thank you so much, Naomi. It really means a lot. i I bet that there are some people who got chills with me listening to your story. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. So if you guys have any, remember that you can find Naomi. Um, they're on social media. Pick, I think, is it is it Picnic Austin? Yep. Yep. Picnic Austin with a K. Yeah. P-I-C-N-I-K Austin. Um, and, and if you're ever visiting Austin, Texas, you must go visit. You must have a buttered coffee and a yes. blondie, if not more, at that new location off of Burnett Road. Burnett, right? Yes. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Clearly, I didn't jot down notes ahead of time. Um, no. It really, it really has been an honor and a pleasure. And if you guys have questions for Naomi, you can find her on social media. Or as always, I'll have a full transcript of today's show on FedAndFit.com, and you can put in some questions and comments there. And I'll make sure that I get them over to her. Naomi, thanks so again sweet. for joining me. Thank you so much, Cassie. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye bye. Okay. Bye. <laughs> 